Our Father, I do ask that you would have your way. Help me to focus my thoughts Godward. And may these things originate from the passage and from your word. Your word is truth. Your word is the only thing that will sanctify us and will give us the victory that we need. So we give you this time. We recognize your hand, your sovereignty. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And for this message, I'd like for you to take your Bible. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. It was Frank Robinson back in the summer of 1973. Frank Robinson is a what was a Hall of Fame baseball player. Uh, he uh, played in the big leagues for a number of years. Uh, he was the first ever African-American uh, manager uh, in the big leagues. Uh, he also was a player coach at one time, until his playing retirement at least. Uh, he was asked a question uh, in an interview in the summer of 1973, and the question uh, had to do with, I think, perhaps a play or something that happened, and his response was, close don't count in baseball. <laughs> close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I've heard that statement all my life. <laughs> Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> I didn't know where it came from, <laughs> but I do now. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Think about the word close. We've heard it close, but no cigars. <laughs> Close, very close, so very close, but then so very far away. As we read our text in just a minute, we're going to see a situation where God gave someone some very specific, clear-cut instructions. And in their minds, they were close. They were all so far away from what God intended. And so I want you to look with me in verse 1. 1 Samuel 15. Would you look there, please? And Samuel, the prophet, also said to Saul, we understand Saul to be Israel's first king, human king, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou, hearken Saul, hearken, under the voice of the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. Stop right there just a minute. Amalek was a heathen, pagan, hostile, antagonistic nation toward the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel were journeying to the land of promise, uh, we find that they hindered that journey. They attacked Israel, they attacked, uh, uh, Exodus says, the, the rear part, the hinder part of the group. Uh, in other words, they ambushed them. Uh, they, they, they attacked the most vulnerable part uh, of those that were journeying from Egypt to the land of promise. Uh, they, they, they slaughtered many and, and, and they fought against the children of God. They fought against the people. They resisted them. They made life miserable for them. And God 
God stated in Deuteronomy 25, verse 18 and 19, listen to what the Scripture says. He reminds Moses and the people of what Amalek and these, these Amalekites had done. How he met thee, God said, by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. In other words, this group of people didn't fear the Lord. They, they, they disregarded God. They hated God's people. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. So God gives clear instructions here in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 15 to Saul, the first king in Israel's history. God says, connecting this passage with Deuteronomy 25, He says, okay, now that you are established in the land, now that there is peace, now that there's relative safety, now I want you to be the human instruments of the fulfillment of my prophecy and my instruction that I gave in Deuteronomy 25. I want you now to go take care of the Amalekites. So in verse 2, 1 Samuel 15, he says, I, I remember, God said, I remember what Amalek did, how he laid in wait for them in the way. Verse 3, now you go and you smite Amalek and you utterly destroy all that they have. God's very specific there. You go utterly. That means you destroy, you rid this earth of every single thing that is theirs. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Let me just say a quick word in introduction because we read this passage and sometimes we're tempted to ask all kinds of questions when we read Scripture. Sometimes questions that we may not get an answer to. But I read this passage and I'm inclined at times to say, well, is God being harsh here? So let me just say a quick word as to why God would command such a thing as what appears to be wholesale slaughter in this passage. First of all, let me say, that the purpose behind this was not for plunder. It wasn't as if the children of Israel were trying to gain more stuff from the Amalekites. God had blessed them. It was not for any purpose of gaining more possessions. By the way, many times when you see Israel being attacked, that was the motive. It was to gain more territory, more possessions, food, uh, armament, slaves. All right. Friend, that was not the case. That is not why God told Israel, you go take care of the Amalekites. You go fight them. You go uh, do what I said I would have you do in Deuteronomy 25. So it had nothing to do with gaining property. Nothing to do with plunder. Second of all, I understand the purpose to be retribution. In other words, God said, this is my way of bringing judgment 
upon these heathens, these pagans who have disregarded me and who have had a history of abusing my people. It wasn't for plunder. It was for punishment. And may I add, just punishment. Because remember this principle, the judge of all the earth will do right. You say, Christian, I read passages like this, and man, it sure seems God is cruel. Can, can I just quickly uh, debunk that myth? God is absolutely not cruel. God, however, is always, always just. And may I remind us that the Old Testament God and the New Testament God are the same God. <laughs> There's not two different personalities to God. Uh, he's not a uh, harsh God in the Old Testament and nice God in the New Testament. He's God. He, he's God in eternity past. He's the same God now and He's the same God in eternity future. So maybe that'll add or maybe clear up some questions you may have as we go through this text. So he gives this instruction to Saul and the people of Israel. I want you to go capture and take and slaughter, remove and rid from the earth the Amalekites. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think King Saul followed these directions? Do you think he completely or just closely obeyed? We're going to find out. Look down at verse 8. And he, Saul, took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Uh, the term Agag, that, that was not his name. Uh, that was the common title of the king of the Amalekites. Just like Pharaoh was a common title for the king of Egypt. Agag was the common title for the king of the Amalekites. So instead of killing Agag, Saul spared Agag. He took him alive and he utterly destroyed the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, and the best of the fatlings, and the best of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But they did destroy everything that was vile, everything that, that, that was refuse. In other words, everything that was garbage, they destroyed utterly. The things that were attractive, pretty, sumptuous, appealing, the things that logically made sense to not destroy, they didn't. So instead of completely obeying, he closely obeyed. He almost completely obeyed. I want to give you three statements quickly as we come down the home stretch tonight about almost obedience. You ever been asked a question by your parents or your boss or someone in authority in your life? Maybe your spouse. Hey, were you able to do such and such? Or what was the outcome of what? Well, almost. <laughs> almost made it. Almost passed. Almost finished. Well, 
almost is not complete. To quote Frank Robinson, <laughs> close don't count except in horseshoes and hand grenades. And close obedience, dear friends, is a long way off from complete obedience when it comes to obeying God. So let me give you three statements. Lean in and listen very carefully. Keep your Bible open. Statement number one I want to give to you. Almost obedience is easily justified. Almost obedience is easily justified when it comes to our lives and what the Lord has given to us and said to us to do. Instructions to follow, principles to apply to our lives, and there are so many, many. How easy, though, is it for us to justify why we don't completely and fully carry out what we know, know God has told us to do? In verse 20, Saul said to Samuel, he said, yes, 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 Samuel. Hey, uh, yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone the way which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag the king of Amalek. Uh, I, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, the people took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the chief of the things which have, had been utterly destroyed. And, 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 and by the way, here's why we did it. Samuel, we did it because we're going to use these things to sacrifice unto the Lord God in Gilgal. I saw, uh, Samuel, uh, I realized I didn't completely, fully obey God. I mean, uh, come on, I almost did. But, but the reason I didn't is because we're going to take this stuff and we're going to offer it to the Lord for a sacrifice. Did you catch what Saul did there? In his mind, his disobedience to God was completely justified. He explained it away. I mean, come on. It just, uh, uh, it, it, it just made reasonable sense to me that we would spare the good of the flock and just sacrifice it to the Lord. See how spiritual I am? Friend, you can always find human justification for almost obedience. We say, well, you know, I, I tell you what the Lord told me to do. It's just not logical. It just doesn't make sense to me. Why, why should I do that? Why, what, what are the advantages of doing such and such that the Lord has told me to do? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's not logical. <laughs> maybe, maybe Saul could have said, you know what? Uh, not only is it not logical, uh, it's not popular to do fully what God told me to do. I mean, hey, the people wanted to do this. Come on, Samuel. I mean, the people wanted to sacrifice to the Lord. and Man, it, it, wasn't, it, it just made more logical sense not to do exactly what God said. It's not logical. Sometimes it's not popular. Sometimes we say it's just not convenient. I mean, really? I mean, I have to rearrange my schedule that much? It's just not convenient. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit my schedule, my agenda, my plans. I don't have time. It's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. Sometimes even it's frustrating. I have to give up what I want. 
I just don't like that. It's easily justifiable. Statement number two. Almost obedience is not only easily justifiable, almost obedience is entirely wicked. Here's what God said. Listen carefully. God said not only about Saul's disobedience, but He says it about mine, and He says it about yours. God says this about our almost obedience. He says, I want you to know that rebellion, that's by the way, that's doing my thing. That's, that's when I disregard what God said clearly in His Word, in the Holy Spirit of God. I know when the Holy Spirit is leading me to obey the Lord. And, 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 and there is a split second from the time I commit sin and do my own thing. There's a split second right before the choice I make. I have a choice to do right and obey God or a choice to follow my flesh. And I know when I'm about to cross the line. I know when I'm about to do my own thing, rebellion. Rebellion says I disregard and I reject and I discard God's instructions. God says, Christian, your rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, preacher, come on. Witchcraft? I mean, let's just... You mean God says that this little, little act, this little indiscretion of Saul was like witchcraft? I mean, God said it was the equivalent of Satanism and worshiping the devil? Yeah. Rebellion is as witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Why? Because you... When you and I choose to discard God's Word, God's commands, God's instructions, He says, you've rejected the Word of the Lord. Why? Why did God say that almost obedience is equivalent to Satanism? Well, it is the essence of what pleasing the devil is all about. You see, Anton LaVey, who began and founded the Church of Satan, he also wrote the Satanic Bible. Do you know what the only and the great command of the Satanic Bible is? Here it is. Thou shalt do what thou wilt. That is the whole of the law. Thou shalt do what thou wilt. That's the whole of the law. See, as I understand my Bible, the Holy Bible, God says, Jesus said in Luke 22, and He modeled this heart and spirit and philosophy right before our eyes when He said, Not my will, but, O oh Father, let Thy will be done. You see, worshiping Satan... The essence is not God's will, but my will. I heard a long time ago, Satan is not interested in you doing what he wants you to do. Satan, his only agenda is for us to do what we want to do. 
Because if he can get us doing what we want to do, then he knows we're not going to be doing what God wants us to do. You see, when I almost obey, it is my will instead of thy will. It's the complete opposite of the Luke chapter 22 spirit that Jesus displayed. Satan's goal is for you and for me to do what we want to do. So I said, first of all, almost obedience is easily justified in our minds. Almost obedience is entirely wicked. And then I close with this. Get ready to pray. Almost obedience is extremely costly. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 26. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and because of that, Samuel said to the king, the Lord has rejected thee from being the king. You see, even though this act this little indiscretion, this self-appointed choice to disregard God's clear instructions in the minds of Saul. In the mind of Saul was such a small thing, yet it had unbelievable consequences. And friend, that's how disobedience is. You and I can choose our actions. And we can choose our choices, but we cannot choose the outcome. And we cannot choose consequences. These things are out of our hands. And when I choose to disobey God, I am treading and walking on dangerous ground. Hear me, friend. You and I do not know and cannot understand what we open up when we make the choice to almost obey. Close obedience is not the same thing as complete obedience. If there's a sin and a failure and a struggle in the modern day church, I fear, friend, that it is that we do not take God as seriously what He intends for us to take Him. We don't take His instructions as severely with the respect that He deserves and with the regard He has called us and commanded us to have toward His instructions and His will and His plan specifically for our lives. May the Holy Spirit of God tonight Draw all of us in closer to the Lord and allow us, enable us to be receptive and sensitive as He speaks to our hearts about areas of our lives where we're almost obeying. We might be close, but not complete. Let's pray together. God, we have this passage of warning. Only you can help us and deliver us from ourselves. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.